0: Hey everybody, it's Zach. You might be wondering why this episode is here. Me and Nick were very busy making some future content and did not have time to finish an episode for this week. So we're popping in a rerun, uh, one that we liked, one that uh, you guys seem to have liked, hoping that you will forgive us and uh, be ready for an episode this next week. So enjoy. Uh, we'll see you soon so the patron list i think has changed a little bit since then so i'm going to read it off here now and then you'll get whatever it was back then at the end but really thank you guys for helping support the show it really means a lot to us and it lets us do things like make sneaky future content and some uh Mm, stuff that you'll see in the pipeline i can't talk about it too much right now so really thank you so much to our patron patrons they are bradley gustav ryan mark addison mason rick laser Raphael, kyle charlotte andrew tom the white clays aubrey hannah anthony andy dylan james justin logan roger david evan bryce dylan benjamin jason kyle Jerry, Brandon, Amund, Kevin, Keidel, and Jeremy. Yeah, just thank you guys so much. Please enjoy this episode. I promise we'll have a new one next week. And I hope you are all doing well. And keep brewing. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mac. Hello, everyone. So today, we're going to be talking about politics. Politics can be a powerful tool for conserving your resources, as the right deal or argument can divert attacks away from you and convince others to spend their removal so you don't have to. Today, we'll be sharing our experience using politics to our advantage, as well as how to counteract common political strategies. But before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and access sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right. So uh, I think we'll we'll start by setting a little bit of groundwork, giving you a little bit of context. I'm a very political <laughs> player in our metagame. Yep. Um I've actually uh, acquired the nickname Snake Devil because I make deals that on their surface seem fine and tend to uh, work out much better for me in the end. (laughs) So I'm hoping I can provide some of that um, political perspective, how to how to make deals, how to uh, fly under the radar. And um, Zach, of course, has been playing against me for many years, so he can provide that opposite perspective of like how to deal with a political player in your midst.
0: Yeah, I think this is, a, uh, as Magic players, a lot of people focus a lot on the actual, like, uh, resolving triggers and the the technical aspect of gameplay. But um, one of the reasons people like Commander is that it's hanging out, and it is politics. There's a lot of politics involved. So this is kind of an aspect of the game we haven't talked too much about, and I'm hoping that you all can get some benefit from.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Um. So... Number one lesson, um, I'd say keep your word. Yes, that's very important. Uh, I make a lot of deals in Commander, and the way I keep getting people to agree to them is that I am known to keep my word 100% of the time. Um, People know that I'm going to adhere to the letter of an agreement, and they trust me at at least that far. If you break your word, if you break an agreement, break a promise, um, then that is on you. They are going to remember that it is you who betrayed them. Whereas, um, you know, if you just word your agreement very carefully and then sort of betray them without actually breaking the, the agreement, then they're going to think of it as like a failure on their part. Like, Oh, I should have worded that more carefully or should have been, uh, more vigilant in how I negotiated that, that agreement. So it's, it's a way to protect yourself and, uh, just, make people willing to trust you a little bit more yeah and and some examples of
0: this might be like you have uh, a sorcery speed removal spell like maybe a wrath or something like that and you don't really want to pop it off it's not going to be too much value or something like that so or you could say to a player like hey i won't attack you with my commander next turn uh if you don't attack me on your turn or something like that just like try to be like hey like we want we both want to attack this guy, right? Like, like, uh, or I want to attack you with my commander if you don't attack me and then they go, oh, okay. But then you crater her for something and just mm-hmm. kill him. Like, there's a lot of ways to like get around that. And a, and a big part of that comes with, uh, I think the next part we're going to talk about, uh, holding back some information.
1: Yeah. Um, so you definitely want to be aware that if you are taking this tack of like, I am going to keep my word a hundred percent of the time, um, this can backfire it does have its downsides it can make you a little bit more predictable but i've learned to make sure that there's always something my opponent doesn't know when i get into these deals so i can still be a little reactive so they can't 100 on rely on things going the way they expect them to go um and i've definitely got burned by this a few times um like opponents will sort of adopt the same strategy they're gonna hold back information as well like i've made a deal where i said like okay i won't kill you this turn if you kill two other players or these two people on your turn and uh i didn't imagine that this like hyper focused voltron deck would have enough extra combat steps to kill both those two players and me in a single turn um
0: Just silly things like that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, like a few experiences like that, and you're going to start learning to think like a lawyer. And you'll also pick up a sense for when the person you're negotiating with is also trying to lawyer up and uh, betray you while remaining within the bounds of the agreement. So, you definitely want to word your agreements carefully. But if possible, you want to keep them simple. Um, Yes. Like if you have a lot of stipulations and clauses. That can really annoy your opponents and slow down the game. Um, but just try to keep it simple and be creative in what threat in like imagining what threats could come in the future. Um, oh, and be very, very suspicious of any opponent who like words an agreement in an unusual way. That means they are 100% about to betray you.
0: Kind of to echo what Nick said, the agreements that work best are the ones that are simplest. So whenever you see someone make like... If you don't counter this spell, then on my turn, my four four won't attack you. Like something like really, really specific, you kind of can know that something is going up. Yeah. Like, like it gets really weird, really fast. And I and I do want to reiterate back to the the kind of main point of this is uh, the keep your word part. I just won't make deals. And a lot of the tables that I have played at, I, I've been lucky to play in a lot of play groups. Um, go by this like pretty to the letter. Like if someone keeps breaking their word, just no one will make deals with that player. Mm -hmm. And we just make it the case that that is true because uh, it just leads to way worse games. Like it's more, even if you get blown out by a Nick deal, you still like made a deal. Things are still happening. The game was still played and you still like agreed to something where if, you agree to something and they agree to something and then they just don't follow their word at all. You, It feels way, way worse. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the main points of this is like, yeah, you can make deals. Yeah, you, you should make deals. Yes, 100% stick to what you want to say. Just make sure you think through what you say it because if you just straight up break the deals, then all of a sudden the whole table is going to have way worse time. So really, really think through what you're trying to do, what you're trying to say And I think this is a good segue into the next section because uh, one of the reasons you want to make deals is kind of what we're going to talk about next.
1: Yes. Um, So I'm sure a lot of you already have this mentality, but if you don't, it's just like a really useful level up in how you think about multiplayer. Um, All players are resources for each other. So any attack, like going towards an opponent, brings you closer to victory and every removal spell cast by an opponent is one that you don't have to cast yourself like similarly you have a means of uh, helping your opponents just by playing your normal game plan whether you're the aggro or the control if you're like your attacks on one opponent can help the other players in the game and every answer you cast is a bargaining chip that can buy you favors in addition to removing a threat um and I know that uh Some people, and this is a little bit of a digression, but I know that like some people, when they run a lot of spot removal and they're in a metagame where most people don't do that, they feel like they are sort of the fun police and have to answer everything. Yes. But you, that is actually a really powerful position to be in because you can leverage, you can make some amazing deals if you're the only person who can stop a threat, like if you, like, let's say you're in a position where somebody is about to, like, kiki-jiki and zealous conscripts combo out and you're the only person with a Doom Blade, well, that means that, like, you really control the fate of the game right there. You can tell that combo player, okay, I won't interrupt your combo if you kill these other players and then it's just 1v1 and you get to Doom Blade the thing then. Or you can buy a bunch of favors from the remaining players in the game because you have the power to control whether they keep playing so uh those kinds of positions are really uh really powerful political moments but in addition to that like if you're the aggro player like getting blown out by a board wipe is a worst case scenario for you um but you can make bargains even with the control player who's like normally your your natural enemy because control decks can sometimes have trouble closing out the game and it can be beneficial for them if you're eliminating their opponents and they don't have to spend removal spells on your creatures so like even like regardless of who you think is favored in a 1v1 aggro control scenario like both of you are going to be better off if there are just fewer other opponents in the game
0: a, a good way to think about it is so you're playing a lavisa gold mono red aggro deck and you're sitting down at the table with um, a control player, like a mid-rangey kind of deck, and then like a ramp deck or something like that, you still, like even in Commander, only have a finite number of resources, and you're only going to see a finite number of resources, especially if you're an aggro deck. You're probably going to drop your hand on the board, you're probably going to attack, and the board will be good until it gets Wrath and something like that. So every time that you can make a deal every time that you can protect your board with like your words rather than your cards is more resources and a kind of a clear path to victory for yourself. Instead of just like dumping your hand on the board, attacking someone, maybe killing someone and then getting wrath and going like, Oh man. And then just sitting there top decking. Um, You do have this extra resource that is just your voice and like your logic that can help you kind of like, tear through the life totals of other people and then like nick was saying um it's good to make friends with the aggro deck because if you can direct them away from you somehow then you're benefiting massively like oh okay now i don't have to worry about dying on turn five or six or seven or whatever it's going to be i can get my game plan going all i have to do is like concede a kill spell or something to them every like turn or two and the The benefit that you get out of that, your win rate is going to go up a lot better when you can kind of see how these interactions can benefit both of you over just kind of playing uh, logically, playing classical magic, I mm-hmm. guess, um, where you're all sitting down and uh, it's more about technical skill.
1: Yeah, and it's... um. It's also more than just, there's more ways to make deals than just like, I won't kill your thing if you yeah. go somewhere else. There's also like, I will destroy that threatening permanent over there if you attack them. And maybe you wanted to destroy that threatening permanent anyway, but yeah. it's like a free value add if you can like highlight it for, highlight that you are doing this pro social thing for the rest of the table and get something out of it in addition. Mm-hmm. I also want to caution you though against like going too hard on the political play um there's it's uh it requires like a fine touch and like i want to caution you not to bs your opponents like if you always pretend like you aren't a threat like despite a lot of evidence to the contrary people are not going to believe you when you talk about threat assessment um sometimes you have to own the fact that you're in a commanding position or else like you're, you're going to lose a lot of um, potential to like sway the, the ambiguous situations. If if it's like unclear who the threat is and you have, and it just takes a little push to get people to go a different direction, that's a way better use of politics than like you are obviously the arch enemy and you're trying to like throw all of your political ammunition and uh, cachet to get people to go a different direction.
0: Yes, I do know one of the things. Um, so even even before Commander was around, like I played a lot of casual multiplayer, and there was one play group I played in. It was pretty large. Uh, there was one guy would never admit he was about to. Win. He'd have like a Magistrate scepter with like a, an engine to put infinite counters on it mm-hmm. and take infinite. And you'd be like, we dude, we have to attack you, we have to kill you. And he'd be like, no, no, no no matter what the situation, just would never admit. And I think that he would have had a lot better time if he did admit the points and when he was winning mm-hmm. um, because it's kind of a compliment when a table has to gang up on someone Like, honestly, like, if your deck is powerful enough in, like, uh, not like you come and table stomp, but, like, if you're in a position at the table where your deck is is running on all cylinders and everyone is like, oh, no, we let so-and-so get away from us, that's like, that's a good feeling. That's like, you did what your deck is trying to do, you're taking off, like, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, if I feel like I'm, like, 1v3-ing, like, if it's just me versus the rest of the table, and i'm coming close to parity with all of them even yeah. if i still lose i'll i'll feel like that was a really good game
0: yeah exactly like there's definitely games i've played where uh, uh i think a recent example is like lazav 2.0 i had like a lazav 2.0 where i was like like turning him into like creatures that could kill spell things and i was turning i was like just 1v3ing this whole table and I lost, but like I used every resource I had. Uh I didn't lie, I never said I wasn't the threat because I definitely like killed two people, but it was it was just this really good game. So when you go through situations like that, it does give you to circle back around a lot more sway when you're like, Hey, I am winning, but if you look over there, there's a Safi Eric's daughter in the graveyard. Like this person's obviously gonna combo out next turn. Like, I know my board is really good, but we could lose to this right here like that kind of stuff uh, is going to really help your political position overall in more games you play than just like the one case scenario where you're like, I know I have like 50 bailouts, but you shouldn't attack me anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But look at their gilded Lotus.
1: (laughs) I think it's also worth um, like sort of highlighting the, the way 10 like games tend to end in commander. Um, It's, most of the time the ag- the aggro deck is not going to be like the long term person that wins the game yeah. like maybe they'll take somebody out in the early game but really like directing your attention at the aggro deck is probably like more likely to be bs than yeah. if you say like this person has a combo finish and a ton of counter spells and if we let the game go on too long they're going to be ans- able to answer everything and kill oh, us yeah.
0: yeah i i definitely that's kind of my goal like This is a magic skill that I think people don't bring to commander enough. I was just talking about, like, there's a lot of technical play that people kind of fixate on in in magic. One of the kind of meta skills that I think people don't bring to commander is uh, your deck having a plan. Um, When you play 60 card, especially like constructed, like you have a plan. You know what the board's going to look like when you win. Uh, you know what your cards are going to do, you know what threats to like counter and stuff like that. You should have that kind of mindset when you sit down with a deck um, in Commander 2. So if I sit down with... What did I make recently? I made Neombi. Uh, like me and Nick made Neombi less. Uh, I know if I'm winning with Neombi, I'm going to have like a few big donks on the field, some controlly cards. I probably countered a few spells. Like The game plan is going to run a little bit longer because I have a more controlly game. I can burn out resources a little better. Um, I know what the board state's going to look like. And I know that, like, the aggro player will probably kill me before I can take off unless I draw, like, an elishnorn or something. Like, I'm at the whims of fate there. So my goal is not so much to uh, distribute my resources out across the board. It's to, like, focus on who... Uh what do I want the end of the game to look like? And the end of the game, the aggro player's been killed for like six or seven turns. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's one of the things that you need to focus on. If you're playing an aggro deck, um, I have a Stonebrow brow cross and hero deck. It's not very good. It's very funny. It's a bunch of uh one and two mana tramplers that get bigger with Stonebrow. It's a red green deck. When I play that deck, I have to kill the control player. So I sit down and I go, Who has the most wraths? They need to die. And and it's completely flipped. It's a completely flipped script. And you as a player need to kind of think about who do I need to make deals with? Who is my threat at the table right now? And that is also going to help you not only in your deal making, but also in your win percentage. Yes, you can make deals with players, but like also think about who the deal is, what your goal is. What do you want the game to look like when you when the game is over? Like Nick kind of said, like, like Nick was talking about. Mm hmm.
1: All right. I want to take it up a level. I think that like don't BS is like a subset of this. Oh, yeah. Um, don't annoy your opponents. Uh, a lot of politics can be annoying. Like yes. n- table talk, it takes away from players' playtime. Uh, negotiating contracts is not everyone's idea of a fun Saturday <laughs> night. Um like all the tips we've been talking about in this episode are definitely useful in the right situation, but if overused, they can wear out your opponents and get them to the point where they won't even consider a deal with you. And I've had that happen over long magic nights. I'm just like, you know, yep. asking for one too many deals, and suddenly somebody just shuts off, and then they're they're a stone wall to any kind of uh, coercion. So. Uh, Your opponent's goodwill is a resource, and you need to track it just like you track life totals, cards in hand, anything else. Um, And think about whether a situation warrants slowing down the game to try to manipulate the other players. You can't try to bring your opponents to the bargaining table every single time they try to attack you. Like You can make deals when it's really going to swing the outcome of the the game, or when it only takes a light touch, um, but don't expend all your like political capital saving yourself five life on turn four
0: yeah exactly kind of another point of this too that i see is um i know the game has to end at one point but don't hold a grudge because someone hit you for two commander damage on turn three or four also Mm -hmm. like if it's a voltron deck like okay keep track of it whatever but more likely than not they're not targeting you they're not trying to make you upset you were just open And that can be a thing that can just ruin games sometimes is just two people get into a shouting match because they lost four life on turn four or something like that. So be really be aware of those kind of interactions
1: too. Oh, absolutely. Like to, to really work politics, you need to be flexible. You need to be really flexible. So you can't hold a grudge. You have to think about both like who is the long game threat and like who is winning at the current moment. Um, and also like Who is the threat to the majority of the table? Maybe there's a type of deck that you are just so not worried about, but it's threatening to other people. Yeah. Like you can direct attention to them, even though you personally don't care about them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are some good tips for counteracting all of these uh, political strategies? How... uh, if like, like you've been playing against me for a while, what what are some of the strategies you employ to to counteract all the wheeling and dealing?
0: Um, I mean, I think the first thing that I do, if I see Nick is going to make a deal, um, and usually a deal that's going to, um, harm me or someone else at the table in some way, I point out that, uh, he's making a deal (laughs) that there's some sort of politics going on. Um, I usually bring up, like, threat assessment. I try to um, offer, like, a counterpoint to the person he's making a deal with. Um, so, like, let's say Nick is like, oh, we really need to blow up these uh, lightning greaves. And I'm like, oh, well, uh, like, maybe we should be focusing... Or actually, I guess I would flip it because you, you typically have the greaves and someone else typically has the basalt monolith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, that that's something that might happen is... uh Nick is trying to convince someone to blow up some other permanent, uh, like, and, or saying like, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'll blow this up for you. If you don't attack me, something like that. Um, bring that up. If this is happening a lot and see, like, don't, don't be too annoying about it. Like, uh, just make sure it's known that this is what's happening. And I think, uh, kind of like Nick was saying, uh, like politics requires a subtle touch. Like, it, you might lose a game to uh, political trickery or to to deal-making, but um, eventually people, especially if you highlight when it's happening, will kind of take notice of things and uh, be able to defend themselves more. The playgroup, me and Nicker, and currently we've been playing with for a long time now, mm-hmm. um, pretty much everyone knows, like, what both of us are doing <laughs> like if something's <laughs> going on it's pretty rare that um that there's really a truly startling deal that's being made and i think a big part of that is because um like we've taken the time to highlight the political actions as they're happening but i think there's probably some other things that i'm forgetting about right now too
1: yeah i i totally agree with what you're saying i think that politics works best when like not everyone realizes what's happening yeah and like shining a spotlight on it is a really good strategy for counteracting it and there's other things you can do to to try to bring that to people's attention if somebody will never ever admit to being the threat oh, you yes. just you can just say like have you ever admitted to being the threat even in games you like <laughs> handily won <laughs> like bringing that to people's attention like showing them the historical record will make them less likely to believe somebody in the moment Similarly, like if you, this might be a little bit of bookkeeping, but if you keep a running tally of games and like who wins, if the political player has a larger chance of winning than other people, like even a couple percentage points, or um, if you have some sort of record to point to, then that'll make people less willing to trust this person, even if they're, they're right in the moment. Also, like another thing that's worth pointing out and bringing up to and bringing to people's attention like, uh, how much of the game is just this person talking? Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) like nobody likes shuffling, nobody likes waiting for people to finish their turns. Like, the most fun part of magic is the part where you are doing things, and if like one person is stealing that playtime by just blowing hot air all the time then that's worth highlighting and it's going to make people a little annoyed at them
0: Mm -hmm. i think there's something else that i think uh is important that i forgot about it kind of goes along with the first part is highlighting uh political actions as they're happening but also um sometimes the deals can benefit you but you don't want to take the first one offered Mm -hmm. so like let's say someone's like oh i'll kill spell this thing for you if you don't attack me on your turn don't just go like, oh, heck yeah, and take that. Be like, hmm, wait, what if, and maybe try to amend it. Try to get in there and change it so that there's something in there that's good for you. Um I am typically not the person to make the first deal at the table, but I will definitely amend deals. I've definitely won games because I...
1: Negotiated.
0: Yes, exactly. So where the deal happened... Uh, things were blown up people were attacked and I came out ahead because I took the second or third deal and not the first one that was offered so that's something else you can do is like if you see someone being politicky towards you try to flip it like what's in your hand like what's on your board um have you played with this person before like what are they trying to do try and see if you can swing it in any way to uh, favor you a little bit more than the original deal kind of made it uh, seem like it was going
1: to yeah that's a great point uh one last thing to make on that note like if you are tempted into making deals with them you should probably always assume there's something you don't know like they are going to be holding something back and you can't assume that you know exactly how the next turn or so is going to play out
0: um so i think there's one more kind of political thing that can happen um that I, i i specifically wanted to bring up which is uh new players and uh politicking and protecting new players so it is pretty common that the new player when they're getting into magic nowadays will be getting into commander they're going to be juggling a lot they're not going to know what all the cards do they're not going to know all the mechanics um if you throw them into a game of commander they kind of have to rely at a certain level on the table to have fun and subsequently want to come back if they don't have a good experience, they're not going to come back. You're going to have one less person in the play group. You're going to have one less person to play with, um, to talk magic about, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just better to have people playing magic for us, for them, and just kind of for magic in general. So one of the things that can happen, one of the things that can kind of sour this experience is when uh, someone is playing, pushing that new player in a way that just makes it uncomfortable for them. And there's a few ways to make that happen. One is just uh, taking advantage of the new player's ignorance. So there's one thing to make a deal with a player who is going to make an attack um, or going to blow up something and say like, oh, hey, well, if you blow this up, I'll blow that up or something like that. And there's another one to kind of bully around a new player. There are a lot of places for a new player to get caught up in. And making political decisions with them isn't quite the best way to start. What you want to do is you want to get them up to the point when they can feel comfortable making a decision and then they can make an agreement. Then you kind of get that thing that me and Nick talked about earlier where they agree to something that they feel like they fully consented to um, and the game can kind of progress and everyone feels a lot more comfortable with it. Something else that might happen to a new player is just they're going to make mistakes and over policing their play being like, Oh, you could have done that better. Oh, you could have done that better. Oh, you should do it like this. Wait, no, no, you should respond to this trigger. That's just going to push them away because like no one wants to be bad what they're doing, especially what they're doing to have fun or like no one wants to be kind of policed while they're just hanging out with their buds. So really like let them make mistakes uh, and then maybe go, Hey, next time, this is a way you could do that. Like, like, Gently bring up to them, like let them be the pilot, but bring up to them in a way that's not like you telling them this is optimal, that was wrong, this is blah, 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 um, so that they can kind of better learn how to do things too. There's a lot of points. Do you want to jump in anywhere here?
1: Uh, Just that like the political game is... A whole nother system to learn, or a whole there's it's a, there's a lot of lessons to learn there, and a new player who's getting into commander, um, may not be familiar with such a large card pool. They are learning the rules specific to the format. They and like the political stuff on top of it is is a lot for them, because because a lot of like the politics. Um, A lot of the discussions in politics centers around things that require a lot of experience to understand. Like if you talk about how this is a a combo deck that is almost guaranteed to win if you leave it alone for long enough, they aren't going to have that experience. So are are they just supposed to like take it on faith when you tell them these kinds of things? Yeah, for sure. So like somebody can be making that kind of argument and somebody else can be saying like this person has 10 power on the board and... Like that, you really got to watch out for them. Even though ten power isn't a whole lot in Commander, like they just don't have the, the like experience and knowledge that builds up over years of Commander play. And a lot of politics rests on like building their logical arguments on that. That's like the foundation for politics. So, like you really don't want to put these new players in a position where one person is making an argument that sounds reasonable. And the other person is making another argument that sounds reasonable. And they both want that new player to do something different. Like the new player has no basis for judging these two arguments. And they feel like no matter what they do, they're going to be making the wrong decision. And that's just a terrible position to put them in. That's not how we want to introduce them to the format. Like here's this incredibly consequential decision that you do not know what the right (laughs) answer is. And we're all looking, the entire table is resting on you to make it. Like, that's not fun.
0: Yeah. And and really, that's kind of the key to all this is um, you can win a lot of games by politicking, but the whole point is fun. And especially for new players, if they're not having fun, they're not going to come back, they're not going to keep playing, they're not going to keep learning, and you're not going to get to make the actual good deals with them. So... If you are a political player, what I'm trying to say is, uh, be gentle, be kind to the new player, point out things they can see, point out interactions they might not know about. Like, let's say there's a Kiki Jiki on the board. Uh, they might've never, ever seen Kiki Jiki before. And you can be like, well, I know you want to attack me, but there is a card in this person's deck where he wins immediately. And then the table will be like, oh yeah, that's true. Like, like bringing up stuff like that, um, is a lot different than going like, uh, just just showing anger to the new player or like trying to deal, make a deal with the new player to attack the Kiki Cheeky Haver, something like that. Um, you want to make sure that the new player is still like autonomous in their decision-making, uh, that they have the decision they can make so that they don't get uh, kind of stuck in these feel-bad moments and that they don't uh, like, like you're not propositioning them and someone else is propositioning them, but also so that when they finish the game, they had a good time they made calls whether they led to the, them winning or not, and they want to come back for the next game. In college, uh, there is a lot of Magic players that kind of played with us or uh, would come in, play a few games, and leave, something like that. And there's a, this one player who would just make the nastiest deals with new people because like he knew he could take advantage of them. And uh, every deck of his had kind of the same super low to the ground, like, ton of mana rocks. This is before Commander, like, he would play, like, mana vaults in, like, casual formats, stuff like that. Just coming into, like, Pub Stomp because that's what he liked or something like that. And uh, it really became, like, my job and a few other people's job to highlight two new players when he was doing that, to be like, hey, I know you don't see what he's doing right now. I know you don't see that this this decision is bad, But this is why it's bad. If you do this, it's going to lead to him winning almost assuredly. Like, you should think for yourself instead of just, like, trusting in this person or, like, something like that. Because it is possible that you play in a store where there are a lot of people like that. And you just want to give people the information that they can make better decisions, especially when they don't have the experience to know otherwise. If you've been playing a while, you're in playgroups with new people, look out for the new people. Yeah, just take care of each other.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let us know if you have your own political tips, if you have some experience under your belt and there's any strategies that have worked particularly well for you, either for flying under the radar, uh, convincing people to make decisions that kind of work out a little bit better for yeah. you than it does for them. Let us know. And,
0: uh, Oh yeah. I just want to say that, uh, make political decisions wisely, have fun, Roof with your friends. I think the most important part of being political is, uh, is that everyone feels like they got a fair deal. So if you're not making that happen, at least in the moment, then you're not being a super good uh, magic politician at that point. Mm-hmm. So so make sure at the end of the day people had fun and uh, make those deals.
1: All right. Well, with that, uh, I think we're just about done for today. I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The Whiteclays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jason, Kyle, Jerry, Brandon, Amund, Kevin, Kaidel, and Jeremy. Thank you all for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to put out great content like this. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.